Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music and a piece that almost no one has heard for over 150 years. In this episode, we're listening to another mid-romantic, mid-19th century symphony from the corner of the world that brought us Beethoven, Schubert, Brahms, Dvorak, Felix Mendelssohn and Robert Schumann. But I can almost guarantee you won't have heard of this piece or of its composer. So today's big question, as we get ready to listen to music by another female composer forgotten by history, is how do we not know anything about Emily Meyer? And we really do know very little about Emily Meyer. Even obvious things like her year of birth were wrongly recorded for a long time. She was born in 1812, but it got mistyped as 1821, and that stuck for ages. Perhaps the weirdest thing about the disappearance of Emily Meyer, there's something about that name that I think has a very Sherlock Holmes quality to it, is that she wasn't obscure when she was alive, not tucked away in a hidden corner of Germany doing her own thing. She was in Berlin, and quite prominent, even becoming one of the co-directors of the Berlin Opera Academy. I think that perhaps it was the very things that enabled her to have a successful career that have led to Meyer subsequently falling from view. Regular listeners, and the shallowest followers of history, will know that music wasn't generally an acceptable career path for women in the 19th century. Career wasn't an acceptable career path. Music as a hobby, yes. In polite society, this wasn't so much optional as essential. More than that, though, certainly not. If you wanted to go down this path, you needed three things. Extreme talent, cash, and backing from the men in your family. I think it was probably possible to make it as a male composer with only the cash and the backing, especially if you were a younger son who wasn't getting the family business or inheritance. And there are plenty of obscure male composers of limited talent who fall into the category of justifiably neglected. But as a girl, you needed a very high level of talent just to get started. Maya's mum died when she was young, but her father was the right level of supportive, and he was a successful businessman too. When she was five, he had bought her a grand piano for Christmas, and she was really good. At age seven, her teacher complained about her improvising or changing the pieces that he'd bought to teach her. It's so much nicer the way I play them, was her response. She was on the road to becoming a composer. Age 28, she was still single and living at home with her father when he suddenly committed suicide on the 26th anniversary of her mum's death. If his death could be said to have any benefits at all, it's that it left Emily freed from any obligation she may have felt towards looking after her father and his household. But also that it left her independently wealthy. Very unusually for the time, her father left her a large amount of money in his will, rather than just giving it all to her brother's or eldest brother. And that enabled her to forge her own path without the need for permission or other people's money. And forge away she did, producing a good number of chamber pieces for piano and one or two other instruments. A world of composing more open to female composers at that time domestic music essentially, but also a dozen or so overtures for orchestra, 
at least one piano concerto, and eight symphonies. And these got performed and were well received, not only in Berlin, but in other German and Austrian cities and states. It was a struggle to get things published. She generally had to pay for that kind of thing herself, but she was, in a word, successful. It took hard work to put herself out there and to maintain that success. It was hard enough to walk the social tightrope of being an unmarried woman in conservative, patriarchal mid-19th century Berlin, let alone to have a career. But she was successful at it. She was established. Established enough to be in the city directory as Emily Meyer, composer. So what happened? When Meyer died in 1883, aged almost 71, her independence now meant that there wasn't anyone to keep the flame alive. Contrast this with, say, the talented but obscure Robert Schumann. When he'd died, the Times of London mentioned the death of the husband of pianist Clara Schumann. And it was Clara who, on top of bringing up their seven children, and being the most celebrated pianist in Europe, found time to make definitive editions of Robert's music and ensure that they were properly published and so on. She made sure he had a legacy, and now he's a more famous composer than she is. But no one did this for Meyer. Her family ensured she got a place in the best part of the cemetery, near leading lights and the famous composer siblings Felix and Fanny Mendelssohn. But there it ended, and Meyer's name quickly receded from the general musical dictionaries to the dictionaries reserved for women composers, and she became a footnote to musical history. Her music, unpublished and unplayed. It was rare for a woman to write symphonies in the 19th century, and to write eight was pretty exceptional. I found Emily Meyer's name only a couple of weeks ago, looking through a database of women composers. Of her eight symphonies, numbers five and eight are lost, and number four has been reconstructed by a modern composer from a version for piano duet. We're going to listen to symphony number seven, her last still existing symphony, written, they think, by 1856. By weird coincidence, there is only one recording, and it was released just last month. Cacophony isn't yet so influential that we get sent truckloads of new CDs every week asking for publicity, so this is genuinely a new discovery for me, but for pretty much everyone else too. If I'd decided to cover Emily Meyer on Cacophony only three episodes ago, I'd have had to choose a different piece. It now feels like the world of undiscovered female composers moves very fast. We're on the cutting edge of new discoveries. Berlin was a pretty small big city, and quite a conservative one when Emily Meyer moved there. And her music reflects that taste. It's quintessential mid-European, early to mid-19th century stuff. And yet there's more to her music than that or it wouldn't be on Cacophony, because she's always doing interesting things and taking unusual turns. To my ears, in the Seventh Symphony, she moves up another level from the earlier symphonies. Each of those had begun with a slow introduction to the opening fast movement, something which is very common. But in the Seventh, she does away with that, giving us an allegro agitato, and it launches with an energy and impatience to get on with things. As for unusual turns, take this moment from a few minutes into the symphony. I was sitting there wondering at how comfortable I was feeling at this new-to-me music, 
how totally right everything felt. When this clarinet moment, followed by other instruments, upset all that. unusual, unexpected, a small moment but significant. Here was someone who would do things differently. The second movement is slow without being overly sombre. At the heart of this movement is a big brass chorale, a hymn with strings agitating underneath. It sounds a little bit like Wagner, who incidentally was still too way out for Berlin's tastes. The contrast between these big, grandiose moments and the solo, song-like lines that follow is pretty dramatic. And by the ending, with the timpani beats that seem loaded with meaning, she has me in the palm of her hand, holding my breath. The third movement starts fast and furious and takes the same material as the opening of the whole piece, looking at it from a different angle. These fast dance movements usually involve quite a lot of repetition, but Maya seems to develop the music throughout in a way you're never quite certain if it's straight repetition or new. This might just be because this music is still so new to me too. Towards the end, there's almost a direct quote from Beethoven's Fourth Symphony. Here's Beethoven. And now Maya. I understand that even Beethoven was still considered controversially out there in 1860s Berlin. That's a measure of just how conservative they were. He'd been dead over 30 years. You'd have thought they'd be used to him by now. There's another Beethoven-like gesture at the start of the finale, and again, new ideas seem to flow past one after another. As it has throughout the piece, the music dances between a genial tunefulness and angst. And as brass fanfares ring out at the end, I'm not sure whether it's triumph or defiance. Whatever it is, it's thrilling. I don't like to compare composers. It's unfair on them. Artists are only ever trying to be themselves. And it's not helpful to listeners who may never have heard of the famous composer I'm comparing them with. But this reminds me of Dvorak, and this is a huge compliment. Antonin Dvorak's considered to be one of the great tunesmiths and orchestrators. His seventh is perhaps his most masterpiece masterpiece, and that's what I'm reminded of when I listen to this symphony. Only Dvorak didn't write his seventh for another 25 years. I'm not making a direct comparison, just saying that they seem cut from the same cloth. It's cloth of very high quality, and that this piece is really, really good. Let's have a listen. I hope you like it. Emily Meyer's Seventh Symphony. Both old and forgotten, and brand spanking new at the same time. Click on the show notes to have a listen, and then tell me what you think.
you'll be among the first people to hear this piece for over 150 years. You can leave a short and simple voice message by clicking on the link to SpeakPipe or leave a comment at cacophonyonline.com. There's also Facebook and Twitter, of course. There must be someone you know who you think would enjoy some great music and the podcast. Who are they? Please share Cacophony with them. If you'd like to help keep Cacophony going, you can visit our page at coffee.com and leave a donation or make a regular contribution. I'm very grateful for any support, as well as for your comments and for telling others about it. But mainly, please come back for more next time. And thanks for listening.